all photographs are there to remind us of what we forget. In this, as in other ways, they are the opposite of paintings. Paintings record what the painter remembers, because each one of us forgets different things. A photo, more than a painting, may change its meaning according to who is looking at it. John Berger said that in his book, Keeping a Rendezvous. He also said this, What makes photography a strange invention with unforeseeable consequences is that its primary raw materials are light and time. The longer I travel on the journey that this podcast takes me on, the more I realise that my opinions, beliefs and understandings evolve into areas which I have never considered. Recently, I've been considering the word photography. Do we need a new word for photography? What is your interpretation? Is it old school or new school? Analogue or digital? Print or NFT? I'm torn. What is photography? Is it only a photograph? Is it only the creation of a photographic image? I don't mean to blow your mind this week or get too academic or waste time on semantics, but it does seem that photography is going through a particularly confused moment where everybody seems to want to define what it is, but few seem to agree on that definition. If you feel that analogue is photography, are you out of touch, yesterday's person, clinging to an outmoded interpretation? Does it require a camera to make photographs, digital or analogue? Are smartphone images photography? Does photography need to be compartmentalised? Serious photography and hobby photography. But what is serious photography? More importantly, does any of this matter? Isn't it just a question of semantics? Well, maybe, but I think it is important to understand what we all understand by the word photography as it evolves. I've often used the description lens-based media, as to me it seems more accurate and encompassing a term for where we are today with the photographic image, with the image captured through a lens. And I use it to describe all forms of image making through that lens. It didn't seem to be well received. There seems to be a sense of protectionism surrounding photography, a need to keep the word despite its amorphous form. This podcast is called A Photographic Life because it is how I experience life, not just photography, but life in all of its forms. I wonder in the future if I may need to consider that reality. My friend, award-winning photographer, editor and founder of Photo 8, the fantastic photojournalism magazine of the late uh, 20th century, John Levy, recently tweeted this. Photojournalism is where the intention and motivation of the photographer is to accurately portray a real event without altering it for the single purpose of recording and communicating that moment. It's not about owning it, it's about understanding it. I wonder if you agree. This week we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what photography means to her in less than five minutes, Ruth Lauer Manenti, 
who received an MFA from the Yale School of Art in painting and drawing in 1994, and in 2012 she was given a large format camera and taught herself how to use it. Since breaking her neck in a car crash at the age of 20, she has developed a spiritual life and practice that has propelled much of her photographic work. Gradually, she accomplished what she was striving for in drawing and painting through photography. Her mother, who was also an artist, left behind a legacy of unknown work, and part of Ruth's determination as an artist is to reward her mother for her efforts and to create a continuum. She was awarded an NYFA grant in photography in 2016 and had a solo exhibition at the Centre for Photography in Woodstock, New York in 2020. Her book, Arms, was exhibited at the Griffin Museum of Photography and Manenti received an honourable mention in the 2021 Julia Margaret Cameron Award and 2016 New York Foundation for the Arts in Photography. She lives in the Catskill Mountains in New York with her husband and three cats. Hi, um, I'm Ruth Lauer Minenti. I am in Palinville, New York, which is in the Catskill Mountains. I'm very happy to speak for a few minutes on um, what is photography to me. Um, it's very challenging to um, answer that question in a, in a few minutes, and I have given it a lot of thought, a lot more than a few minutes of thought. But um, what I thought would be important to mention today was, first of all, that I have so much gratitude for the camera itself. I guess that sounds corny, but I have a beautiful 4x5 camera. It was given to me uh, as a gift, and it really just kind of changed my world. The ground glass, seeing everything upside down and backwards, the simpleness of it, the... Um, it's, just, it's like a fantastic thing that I happen to have, which is this camera and then this tripod to put the camera on and the dark cloth to get under. I have all of this. I feel very grateful to, that I have all of that. And then there's the film, which is beautiful and the chemistry. And so I, I think that um, one of the things about photography is that the tools, the film, the camera, the paper, the chemistry give so much and you don't have to create plus the world itself that you're photographing so it's it's different than painting or drawing where you you're you're having to you know create the broom that you're photographing or um, make the surface anyway the the tools itself are um, allow me to express things that I that I with with ease and and even a kind of you know magic or wonder that um, really has so much to do with the film and the and the camera. And then I wanted to say that I wanted to just say that a friend of mine uh, came to an exhibit I'd had a couple years ago. She doesn't know much about photography. Uh, she's a nurse. 
She took a good look at the images. She went very slowly around the gallery. She wasn't talking or mingling with other people or even drinking, I don't think. She just was looking very carefully at the work. I kept noticing her out of the corner of my eye. And at the end, she came up to me and she said, you know, uh, Ruth, um, I feel like I haven't spent any good time with myself in a long time. And these last 15 minutes, I feel I got to be with myself. And, you know, she was emotional and, uh, and she thanked me, you know, and um, it was very meaningful to me. So I think that, um, you know, we, we, we live, of course, in a world of uh, distraction and uh, we often don't know what we're feeling, don't know what we're thinking, aren't in the present, don't notice our surroundings um, as nearly as much as we could. And so when you look at a photograph, if it moves you, if it speaks to you, even if it reminds you of something from long ago or from a different place, you are experiencing it in the present moment. And so I think, um, and when you experience something in the present moment, you, you yourself are present. You feel present in your life and in life. So some kind of quality of um, a way of showing up in life, whether it's behind the camera or looking at the picture, the whole endeavor, uh, as opposed to really missing out is, um, I guess, what I would say, you know, as a start to really such a huge, uh, a huge subject of uh, what does photography mean to me. Um, thank you very, very much. Uh, I hope this is helpful to, you know, other photographers and, uh, and I hope to, to um, continue to make important photographs. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you, Ruth, for your contribution this week. And I definitely think it was useful and will be useful and is useful to other photographers, as I do all the contributors every week. I think there's always something in there that perhaps sort of rings a bell for us or makes us think, yeah, actually, that connects with me. I think what's interesting is I started off this particular episode talking about photography and what is photography. And it's very clear there that Ruth is kind of wrangling with that understanding and finding some elements, perhaps some which are more obvious of photography is the camera and her relationship with that camera. But I really enjoyed hearing that story of the nurse looking at the work and what that meant to Ruth as well. So I think what we can probably... Uh, deduce or summarise from that is perhaps we shouldn't really worry too much about what photography is as long as we understand what it means to us. Anyway, thank you very much for Ruth and her contribution. If you're not aware of her work, it is truly beautiful and I think in the correct word, timeless. It's classic in a sense. It feels to me as if it's got a sense of that narrative, that kind of American Gothic, perhaps. And I mean, Gothic, not in the kind of Bauhaus or the Cure or Black Eyeliner sense. I mean, in the true sense of American Gothic. So if you're not aware of Ruth's work, check her out. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. 
January has always traditionally been the quiet time for photographers, just as December is really. So you end up with those two months where perhaps there isn't as much work being commissioned and you hope that you made enough money in the previous months to tide you over. Of course, in the UK at the end of January is also the time when you have to fill out your tax uh, forms and submit those as well. So it's not really much fun especially if work has been a bit quiet. And it's certainly the case whereby I suppose really it's the time you should be focusing on your website, making sure that all of the work is up there, that you need to get commissioned, and slowly but surely thinking about some kind of a strategy by which you're going to be approaching uh, clients to get commissioned or for funding, whatever it may be that you use to support your work. One of the things which traditionally I think a lot of photographers turn to is the idea of the photographic agent, somebody who's going to get work for them. And I've had many, many conversations over the years about this, particularly with the photographer David Eustace, where I have to say I've kind of banned him from us having that conversation. And I think we now have actually gone past that because the role of the agent has changed so dramatically. When I started in photography back in the 1980s, there were lots of photographic agents out there. Quite a few photographers had their own studio and they would employ a studio assistant to look after bookings, to deal with clients, to answer the phone and so forth. If you didn't have that, you might have an agent who would actually perform a similar role. You would put the portfolio of work that you wanted to represent you with that agent They would make phone calls, they would take those books, those portfolios around, they would have the lunches that were required with the clients and so forth to make sure that relationships were built and maintained, and then they would encourage those clients to use the photographers that they were representing. And the idea was that most agents would have a broad range, maybe a still life of food, a portrait, a couple of fashion, maybe a lifestyle, maybe an interiors photographer so that they were able to offer clients um, what they needed. And it was kind of, I suppose, in a way, a bit of a one-stop shop. Most of those agents that I knew were one or two men, women teams, quite often working from home, which at the time seemed quite revolutionary, but of course now seems perfectly normal in our new world. But as time went by, those one-man bands started to find it increasingly difficult to survive. A few mega agencies arrived on the scene, places like Art and Commerce in New York and Art Partners. And specialisation started to um, build into the agencies. Tiki McConaughey, for example, dealing with Helmut Newton and Jean-Luc Cieff and Robert Maplethorpe. And there were fashion-only agencies in London, somewhere like Terry Tanaka's, for example. Some of these names may mean something to you, and they may mean absolutely nothing at all. But what I'm really trying to identify here is that progression, that change in the role of the agent. Now we seem to be at a situation where there are a few agents left, but the majority of photographers are perfectly capable of marketing themselves through their websites, through social media, and with the aid of email and mobile phones, being able to be contacted also. 
the idea of the long lunch seems to have passed. That was a great shame, I have to say. I did enjoy a number of those long lunches through the 80s, 90s and early noughties. But certainly with COVID as well now, that idea of personal interaction is reduced dramatically. So where are we now with the agent? Well, my conversations with agents seem to be pretty much across the board, a similar kind of process of taking on a photographer. And I'm going to share that with you now. If you've had a different experience, share it with me. But I've spoken to many agents about this and they're all in agreement. The idea at the moment is basically that the agent wants you when you are successful. And I know you probably don't want to hear that, but it's just a truth and a reality. The idea is they will take on your clients when you're so busy that you can't deal with all that administration around perhaps a large photographic shoot. They're not that interested in editorial. They're interested in big budgets, budgets that require location, stylist, hair, makeup, fashion, um, digi ops, whatever it may be. Maybe also lighting technicians, models, and they would deal with all of that stuff for you. Of course, for a fee, they're going to take a big chunk out of whatever the fee that's put in for you is to the agency or the design group or the brand or the client. So nowadays, the agent is looking for somebody who's already successful. They're not looking to get you clients. They're looking to help you deal with the clients that you already have. Now, the reason I'm telling you this at this time of the year is I don't want you to build your hopes up and think that an agent is an answer for you and that through getting an agent, this coming year is going to be that much easier. It's much better, I think, to build your own personal strategies, to make your own personal connections and try and understand the clients and the brands that you want to work for and target them directly. Increasingly difficult, as I've said, when people are at home, but not impossible. Unfortunately, photography has become swamped with people who want to be photographers. But that doesn't mean to say there isn't work out there. There is. Is it well paid? Not always. Is it paid in the way in which it was in the past? No, not often. However, there is still work out there, but you've got to recognise where you fit. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to turn to an agent to do that work for you. I'm afraid a bit of tough love at this point. I'm afraid you're going to have to do it yourself. And that resilience can be tough. It's one of the reasons why we started this podcast. I always used to say at the beginning, all those episodes ago, that it was to be an arm around the shoulder. And I hope it still is. But even an arm around the shoulder sometimes has to deliver a little bit of harsh reality. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, week's episode. I hope you've found it challenging and informative. Over the next uh, few weeks, we've just got to get through January. It always makes everybody feel a bit meh, as my daughter says. So in that case, all you need to do is take care. <laughs>